Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg. It's the Football Film Room Podcast. Hello and welcome inside the Football Film Room, back from a week off. I'm Scott Seidenberg, joined as always by veteran coach, scout, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. Couldn't miss this week, Chris, because deadline day has passed in the NFL, which means players have been franchise tagged. Other players are going to become free agents. It's a very important time in the NFL. It is. And, you know, I always tell everybody free agency takes on a little bit of a unique approach. And, and I know over at Landry Football, we put all the free agent boards up there of, you know, how players great, but also finishing putting up how every player in the league graded throughout the season because free agents come and go, right? Put the tag on them. They're essentially off the free agent board, the free agent market. And then you're going to see this next. You're going to see some releases. So guys that are not free agents today, tomorrow are going to be free agents. Well, you need to know how those guys graded out. So we got mm-hmm. it for you, but, but in the bigger, in the bigger, um, in the bigger scheme of things is the deadline of the, of the calendar of the league year, the deadline of getting the tags done. Uh, obviously the ninth today is the reason why we had a flurry of that. And some of them we know that are tagged with the hopes of signing to a long-term deal. Like I would think Tampa because they signed Levante David today. Mm-hmm. Still want to make a run at Shaq Barrett. They love to get, Chris Godwin, who they franchise tag a little bit lower to get that deal done and maybe to either use the tag on Shaq or try to get a deal done with him. But, you know, so the tag can be used. You can still sign guys, even though you tag them, but it's difficult, more difficult to this year to tag a player unless you have a lot of cap room and even people who have cap room, they don't have as much as they thought they would because the numbers this year, although not official and not complete, it's about, as we said, about 25% what we normally expect, Scott, because mm-hmm. you normally allow for a 10% increase every year in the cap. Not only do we not have the 10% increase, we got about a 15% market correction. So that's a 25% reduction of the amount of money that you need, which is why if you're the Cowboys, you either had to get a deal done with Dak mm-hmm. or, I mean, it's in danger of you either not going to have a team at all this year around him or you're going to have to let him go. And I think what we're seeing the teams that are tagging guys is they either have cap room 
or they're going to try to get a long-term deal done, or they have the ability to carry the cap number short-term until we get back to, to normalcy in terms of cap numbers. What did you make of the DAC deal? Did you think that the numbers made sense for the Cowboys? It, 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 it didn't have to. It made sense for DAC, and this the way I described it is <clears> – <throat> Cowboys, here's blank check. Dak, you go sign it. What are they going to do? Yeah. Look, here's the reality. Here's the real numbers, the tangible numbers. The inability to get this deal done last year cost the Cowboys $30 million. It cost them $30 million more today than last year at this time. Mm -hmm. $50 million more than two years ago. So the inability to get a deal done two years ago or last year and the inability to have a real competition at the quarterback position, another option to turn to, eliminated any chance of them being able to do anything other than we're going to give him what he wants. If you think about the deal, it's a unique deal, isn't it? It's a six-year deal that voids after four. It's six years to prorate the cap over cap number over six years. Mm-hmm. It's really a four-year deal. So Dak gets the number of years he wants. He gets the largest signing bonus in the history of the NFL, and he gets guaranteed with this year's number. He gets $75 million guaranteed this year, non-taxable, by the way, in in, uh, the state tax in Texas. The Fed's coming after their money, of course. Uh, (laughs) FICA always finds you, right, Scott? Oh, yeah. Uh, But but it's it's, – people say, well, the stupid – well, it's it's what was stupid is that if the, if you call it that is that they didn't had any other alternative and for two years three years haven't figured this out. So there's one of two things: you let him go, you tag him, and basically have no team around him, or you quote unquote pay the over the market value. And what do we mm-hmm. always say? The market is supply and demand. Yeah. The newest contract's going to make the most. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, they're paying him more because it's the newest contract, but they're also paying him more because they had no leverage. It was all leverage of Dak. So they Dak had him over a barrel. I mean, Dak could have said, I'll play on the on the tag again this year, which remember they tagged him last year. So it's 120% over that value. That that would have just been debilitating for the Cowboys. So he had yeah. him over a barrel. And again, it was like, Dak, what would you like? How many zeros you fill it in? And I, I'm being facetious, but that's the reality. What are you hearing about him health-wise as far as being ready for the start of, uh, of OTAs? They're confident, but nothing. They're not talking in definitive terms, but – they say things are going pretty well. So we'll see, you know, um, and the thing about it, you know, we talk about injuries all the time. This, this contract was done in a year in which he played very little. Yeah. That's so the whole leverage was about the Cowboys didn't have any other option. So I, I, I say that not to be critical, but to explain for people that say, Oh, you never should have paid on that. Okay. What are the other option at court? Well, yeah, they didn't have another yeah, option yeah. at quarterback. What, what do they do? Well, they, they that's what happens if you don't prepare long-term. You don't get yourself in this situation like the Cowboys did. Because if you do, you're either going to do it or you're going to say, we're, we're starting over. We don't have a quarterback. And then 
They they they're trying to sell their team and their organization. What do the Cowboys do more than anybody? Sell themselves as a contender every year, and it's making money and all that stuff. But they don't have a quarterback and no way to get a quarterback and no real draft capital to be able to trade to get one of these guys. You know, a lot of their fans are unhappy, but be unhappy based upon how they've done two, three years ago, because that's what we explained was coming down the pike. And what happened yesterday was the inevitable. Dak got everything he wanted in the deal. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, and I'm curious to see if he gets back to being the Dak of old. And then the money doesn't mean anything because you have a top-tier quarterback in, in Dak Prescott, and you're happy moving forward. So let's get to the guys that were tagged today. You mentioned Chris Godwin. Um, he had a, a tremendous season. He's certainly a big target for Tom Brady. You expect a long-term deal to get done, though, with Chris Godwin so that they can free up more money for other players. Yeah, to keep other players, I don't right know. Right now, he's at $15.8 million. Because that's the cap figure. So what they can do is convert that into a signing bonus. He's young, make it very cap-friendly, and A, see if they can make a run at keeping Shaq Barrett, although that may be difficult. Somebody may blow him out of the water. That He's going to get – Shaq Barrett's going to get big-time money. Um, so – it, but if not, they're still able to do some other things to facilitate the loss of Shaq Barrett. Because, look, we know where this team is doing. They're in the win-now mode. They're in the New Orleans Saints mode of the past few years. Mm-hmm. We're winning now. We're going to do everything we can. The difference is that they won a Super Bowl last year, and they're trying to win another, and they're trying to keep you know people around Tom Brady. And the, I thought, what a great day. I mean, they tagged him, so you know they've got Godwin. They're going to try to – keep him long-term they're going to try to make a run at keeping Barrett or replace him in some way not with with an individual player that can match him but then they also got Levante David done which Mm -hmm. you know was was great for them so good team that they're trying to keep together they're drafted pretty well they've got a good combination of young guys old guys but no one had more more key pivotal guys that were coming up in free agency than the Bucks. And today, they essentially kind of assured that they've got two of them that are not going anywhere. And potentially on high plays out, maybe they can get the third. So big day for them. Well, speaking of players not going anywhere, Allen Robinson not going anywhere as the Cubs place the franchise tag on their star wide receiver. This one as well, you would think a long-term deal would get done. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things that, I think he's a very talented guy and people have talked about, well, maybe the bears won't go ahead and do a deal with him and they'll go and, and spend money on Kenny Galladay. I like Kenny Galladay a lot, but if you start looking at it, there's a big difference in my opinion, quite a bit grade level wise where I've got like Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay putting the tag on him, assures that he stays there. I think that certainly it makes sense to get a long-term deal. Here's the thing about, when you put the tag on a guy though, and this was not the intent. This was one of those things that happens in negotiations. Once you put a tag on a guy, whatever that tag is, 15.4 million, guess what the asking price average per year for the the player and the agent is going to be. If you put the tag on me and it's 15.5 million, then I want my average per year salary to be at least 15.5 million. So it's going to be a little bit challenging to do that. And sometimes you got to use length of years on a deal. Sometimes deals in length, meaning we'll take it into the year when the cap number is going to be a lot higher and we can deal with the dead money a little bit better than we can do right now. 
Uh, elsewhere in New York, you had two defensive players getting tagged. Marcus May, the Pro Bowl safety of the Jets, and Leonard Williams, who is tagged for the second straight year, and he had a career-best season, 11 and a half sacks last year for Big Blue. Yeah, you know, that's one in which I think that uh, you would hope that they can get a deal done um, with Leonard because that's that's a really high – price tag uh in i think's a really good player and i i think a guy you really don't want to lose personally i think he's a very good run defender still grades out very well but i would think they feel like there's a really good chance of getting a long-term deal done uh or they probably don't go down the path to make this move but i I think it's an important player for them um you got to be careful because again a lot of those guys that that are going to come with that tag number um or guys that are really great pass rushers. He's not, but I, mm-hmm. I, I know this, that that's kind of the plan as I hear it. And I put it a note, a nugget in my notebook today that, that, that this I think is another one of those deals in which they put the tag on them with the idea that they feel like there's enough there in the negotiations that they'll get it done. This is again, just a, it's a deadline day. So if you don't do it, um, you know, at least now you say you can't go anywhere, anywhere, buddy. You got, you got to talk with us and we'll, we'll make this work for you. So I think it's a sign obviously that they're going forward with them. Were you surprised the Patriots didn't use their franchise tag on, uh, Joe Tooney? Joe Tooney? No, because I think they, they like him, but I think they feel like that tag number again would take him a little too high. And I think they, they, they're not really big on that. Now they're bringing Trent Brown back today in a trade for, um, you know, bringing him back where you know, he didn't do anything. Remember the Raiders paid him all sorts of money and he didn't do anything. The Patriots basically get him back for nothing. Uh, the exchange of, um, they get a pick and they just get, give up a fifth round pick and get a seventh. So no, I, I was not expecting them. I, I thought it was a possibility, but I'm not surprised. That's typically not what they do. Mm on a guy that's going to have the type of money that he's going to commence in the open market. Uh, any interest in bringing Malcolm Butler back as uh, he was released? I, I, I think possibly, although that didn't end very well, and there was a reason for it. Malcolm hadn't played very well um, since he's been in Tennessee. I, I would say this, that uh, if they watch tape, uh, they probably would only offer the minimum, and uh, that's about all he's going to get. I would say Malcolm will probably get a little bit more money from somebody else mm-hmm. uh, than than the Patriots are willing to pay for. Uh, Aaron Jones, the Packers do not use the franchise tag on their running back. Do you think just because, you know, throughout the Packers season and when there when Jones was down, they had some decent plug and play guys, including uh, AJ Dillon, the the Boston College running back who had a really good season for them in his rookie year. So maybe he's the future there. Yeah, I, I, I kind of felt all along the sense all along is that they weren't going to put the tag on him. They'd like to bring him back. But and I think that Aaron will get some play in the, the market. But, you know, that's a position and he's a back that is really good. But you kind of hit on it. I think they say, you know what? We'll go ahead. There'll be some backs on the market in the second wave of free agency that we can sign. Maybe somebody in the draft. We'll, we'll take our chances there. Good player. Like to have him back. But we have to have a budget for him, and I think we can't go crazy with that. And, again, I think you put the tag on him, then that's where the negotiations begin. In my opinion, that's too high, and I think they feel it's too high. So, 
you know, here's the one other thing, and I don't think he's going to be back with Green Bay. He's going to sign somewhere else for more money. But the way you end that, in my mind, is you say, look, this is kind of where we're looking at it. Here's our situation. You know, this is what we're going to do. If you don't get what you like in the open market, come back and see us. Because this is one of those cases where you say, hey, look, he's a good back, but he's not a great pass. He's not a pass rusher. You know, mm-hmm. he's not somebody that's going to command as much money. So if you don't like what you're getting in the open market, come back to us and we'll see if we can do a deal and bring you back. I don't think that's going to happen, but you keep that door open. Any moves that really stood out and surprised you today? Um, Brandon Sheriff's a really good player. I, I get what they're trying to do there. Um, you know, well, man, that's a, that's a look. I mean, it's, it's going to be an $18 million tag for a guard, a very, very good one. But that one was a little bit surprising to me um, in terms of, yeah, you know, it's just one of those deals where you, 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 you got to get a long-term deal done with him. I just don't like that. And it got some cap room. I get that, but that's a lot of money to what I think is one of the better guards in the league. I, mm-hmm. in fact, I'm putting up the grades, you know, uh, of the, of the, the players in the league. And, you know, I was just, you know, I'd go back and go through all my numbers and how they graded and the color grade. And he's really, really good. But again, he is a guard. And I think you got to keep that in mind. Yeah. And that's a lot of money. It's going to be an, in it with a, with a previous tag. That's going to be, that's going to be a, um, $18 million hit. When I look at it, that's, that's, that's tough. Now, and I, you know, you're talking about a guy that graded in the reds, you know, I've got, you know, 15 guys that grade a little bit higher on the offensive line. He's pretty high up there on the guards. And I will admit that, but man, $18 million tag. I, I don't know. That's, that's a little bit rich for me. So right now, and I know you're adjusting it at LandryFootball.com because you have to take a look at your free agent boards and you're you're changing it because of what's happening here after the deadline and whatnot. But if you had to say there's maybe one guy that's at the top of your free agent board right now, regardless of a team's need, who is that blue-grade player, Chris, that's at the top of your free agent board that you would think can sign wherever they want? There's no blue gray players. Um, the, the blue gray players, there, there's, there never are. I mean, there's never it, a, a blue gray player is not going to be available. Okay. Uh, in fact, I was looking at this, say the receivers, for example. We just talked about the receivers and some of them being tagged today. Do you realize that there's zero of the top 25 receivers that are graded? The, zero of them are available. The best one is Kenny Galladay. Yeah. So think about not, it. Yeah, he's not a top. He's, he's really good, but think mm-hmm. about that. What is what does this mean for him though? He's gonna get paid like an elite. He's probably gonna get played like a, a paid like a blue receiver. Why? He's the best one available. No one else is available. Mm-hmm. I would say to answer your question, it would be Shaq Barrett. Um, I think he's the the best player in this free agent market at this point that is still available or we anticipate being available. Um, if you think about it, um, everybody else. I mean, well, it's interesting you said Shaq Barrett because there's two other guys that are similar roles than him in uh, Yannick Ngakwe and Bud Dupree that are available as well. I, I I agree, but I think he's better than the two, and based upon how he graded mm-hmm. in his age, I think he's better than that. Um, so, like for example, I think of the guys. I think he's a. I'm looking at you know who's gone now. So Shaq's there. 
Trent Williams with the Niners, Aaron Jones of the Packers. We talk about, but he's a running back. Anthony uh, Harris of the Vikings. Think about that. Galladay. Um, pretty much everybody is kind of, you know, David's gone. JJ Watts gone. Marcus Williams gone. Tag Sheriff gone. Um, Ingram, Lindsay, Bud Dupree. Now you get into that. I, I think it's Shaq Barrett is the best player. It is the guy that would get the most money on the market. Um, would be Shaq Barrett. The position he plays, mm-hmm. I do agree. I do agree that I that Bud Dupree's going to get some money as well. Um, but I think that, to me, that's where the impact guy will be at the impact position that pays the most money. He's, he's a guy that you typically don't see in the market. Uh, who else did you mention that? Oh, Nindakwe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, there again, I, I, I think he's – he is a – I think he's a pure pass rushing 4-3 guy. Uh, still young. I still – I still. you agree with you. I still think he'd get some money. But remember, the the best guys, the, even the ones that are available, they're only available because the team says, you know what, we, we can we can live without. I mean, so mm-hmm. even – you got to keep that in mind with – and Dockway and Bud Dupree. I mean, that's a decision they need to make. If they really wanted them, they'd keep them. I think the Bucks and and Barrett. I think they're going to try to keep them. I think their moves today are indicative of it. I just don't think they necessarily. If they can't do it, it's because they're having to pay too many people at the same time in the same year. And I think that to me, I think Barrett Barrett is an impact guy but i do think like anybody else is going to be an impact relative to where he signs i mean think about yeah. it you've got you've got a really good edge rusher on the other side he's going to be really good jj watt will have success because chandler jones is on the other side uh jack barrett's going to have success if he plays a, opposite somebody that's really good if if not people are going to slide their protection his way and he won't have as good a numbers but to answer your question i would think Shaq barrett would be the most attractive free agent available that hasn't been tagged or re-signed at this point. Uh, You and I haven't talked publicly on the air about J.J. Watt's announcement, which to me came as a a surprise. I certainly did not think that Arizona was going to be the team that he would end up with. Uh, Maybe I just underrated his friendship with uh, DeAndre Hopkins and they wanted to play together again, but – how did that news come across to you, Chris Landry, finding out that J.J. Watt chose the Arizona Cardinals? Surprised me as well. I mean, it's a good team. Um, I kind of thought, was thinking that it might be that team that is really close. I mean, you think I'm thinking Green Bay. I'm thinking Buffalo. I'm thinking that team just along those lines. But there's some other factors. He obviously – thinks the Cardinals are pretty good. Maybe you're close and maybe D hop, maybe Arizona, you know, over, I mean, there's other factors, maybe he yeah. likes that. You know I mean? I, I grew up in Wisconsin. He probably had all the cold weather he wants. I, I don't know that that's, that, that was a big factor or not. Um, you never know. And, and maybe they were offering more money. I mean, it's, that's always that possibility. You wonder, yeah, of course. did, you know, okay. Buffalo and in green Bay, were they interested Pittsburgh, whoever, were, at what price were they interested and what were they willing to offer? Now, Arizona has been a team that has been willing to pay pretty good money for guys that are veterans that may be a little bit risk oriented with the injury standpoint. 
So I think maybe some teams weren't willing to go as high pay-wise because of the injury history. That may have had a factor, and and pro- I'm, I'm guessing it probably did. Of uh, you know, I don't, I don't. Again, I don't think that he would have gone to a team that was real. I don't think there was a chance he was going to. No disrespect, I think there's a chance he was going to go to Detroit. You know, but I think a team that's that's good contending and maybe likes the Arizona setting and the situation and they're willing to pay money. I think it came to that, but I didn't, I wasn't thinking that like you, I wasn't thinking that before it happened. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Let us talk about some college football. Chris, uh, the big story that came down uh, recently was the news about Les Miles and Kansas. Uh, He was placed on administrative leave this weekend. There was accusations about, Inappropriate behavior towards female students during his tenure at LSU. Um, your reaction to this story coming out, knowing about Les when he was at LSU, and also the fact that Kansas says there was no red flags when they vetted him and he came across as, you know, quality enough to, to, to hire as their head football coach. Well, you know, when they put somebody on administrative leave, the it means, COVID, he's fired. Yeah. <laughs> it, it mean, it means he's going to be fired. And the only thing that needs to be done is the lawyers have to go to work to figure out how to make this go away. Yeah. You know, and, and, and by the way, through all of this, Les is going to get $1.9 million in a settlement from what I understand. Wow. Um, look, they didn't do a very good job of adding. Why did, I mean, Here's there's a little bit of he said he said. Uh, Les's attorney said that Kansas was aware of the incident that took place in 2013 at LSU. Kansas says that they weren't. And Jeff Long today, the athletic director of Kansas, said he asked Les Miles if there was anything in the past that would be an embarrassment if found out by Kansas. He said no. So the whole point was, look there. This was uncovered due to a Title IX investigation at LSU that was under LSU kept this under wraps. This was not a media report. LSU had an independent investigation in 2013. The athletic director at LSU, Joe Leva, wanted to fire Les Miles. He thought he could fire him with cause. The lawyers at LSU said, lawyers disagree. The, 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 the attorney firm said, I don't know that we can fire him for sexual assault because they don't know if this measures to the term of sexual assault certainly was creepy sexual aggravation. Um, this was, this is not, this was allegations that were vetted. This is, was an investigation that was done to the point where instead of firing him, they told him not to do it again. And he continued to do some things again. And he look, he had a burner phone in a, in a condo and mm-hmm. you've had a ton of other reports that are on record that are verified. And he tried to pay off one of the girls. So we're not dealing with just hearsay. We've got allegations that he obviously, if it came up, he didn't tell Kansas. He might have said something. You know, he didn't say yeah, yeah I did this or that because he's not he, he's he's not even admitting to this day that he did anything wrong. He probably said there were some situations that took place, um, and you know he probably said, and Kansas. Well, wait a minute, LSU didn't fire him, so it couldn't have been that bad. Yeah, well, what? You know, if you don't necessarily do your proper vetting, and and uh, Jeff Long knew Les Miles 
from way back. And so he trusted him and they got burnt. And so now it was, it's an embarrassment in this day and age. Scott, I also think there's something that's there. I, one thing I've noticed, I don't think any of these actions are any different today than they were in 2013, but the public reaction around it, would you agree is far different? Like yeah. we're, we're in a, if you're dealing with anything racial or uh, gender, I mean, it is hypersensitive. And I'm not saying that it's overhyped or underhyped. I'm saying that if you do anything today, it is going to be, you're going to be held accountable and your feet to the fire more so than in 2013. And this was uncovered by a, again, an investigation that was done into a lot of other issues that went on at LSU. And um, quite frankly, very, uh, very creepy. You know, um, we had LSU, we had LSU, we had less on this show way back one time. And mm-hmm. I've known less for a while. Um, you may or may not remember this when we, Les and I, did not have the greatest relationship. I don't know if you remember the interview, but he wouldn't even address me by name on that on that day. Um, I, I didn't know. I, I've been in Les's presence where I, I, I thought it ended at he was a little goofy and different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I'd heard like different things, but I thought he was just a little bit more of what I would classify as a womanizer as a lot of coaching. You'd be folks out there would be surprised. A lot of guys with a lot of power, Mm -hmm. a lot of women, young women that, that, that kind of flirt with them because, wow, they see them on, you know, on the sidelines and whatever. And it really doesn't matter how old you are, how good looking you are. They're a lot of money and they're powerful. So that is, this is not really what I, I, that's maybe I thought it was a little bit more of that. This was downright creepy. Um, The things that were vetted, that he would meet with student workers before they were hired, and he personally met with them and would he'd use a burner phone Mm -hmm. to put their number in his burner phone under an alias, and he would put the girl's name as an alias, and he would brought at least one of them we know back to it. Just just things that. Look, I mean, those young girls should use better judgment, but sometimes they get intoxicated and think that, well, maybe this person is truly generally, you know, taking an interest in my career. Yeah. It's pretty obvious that he was using a a, a, a framework of, you know, let me help you with your career with mm-hmm. he had creepy intentions. So it's very disappointing. It's very embarrassing because LSU is now faced with the fact that look, the athletic director that's no longer there wanted to fire him. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there are a couple of people that were there with that knew, and yet, you know, now a lot of people, board, ex-board members, board members are having to, to justify why didn't you get rid of them. The, 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 the president of LSU at the time was a guy named F. King Alexander. He's now the president at Oregon State. He issued an apology today. I mean, he has to, you know, because he has to answer to Oregon State and everybody else. Well, you telling me you're the president? To, this is the type of president. You, so it, it's one of these things that's very, very embarrassing, very disturbing, and it puts a, it's a, a absolute stain on Les Miles, um, 
more so than anything about, you know, coaching this or coaching that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are surprised, but I always tell folks, do not think that you know a coach or know any player or any any personality based on how they looked in a movie or at a press conference. It's completely different. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Some of the people you don't like, you would like. Some of the people that you do like, you wouldn't if you knew what was behind the curtain. And I don't think you want to know, as they say, you don't want to know how the sausage is made. You don't want to know about some of your favorite coaches out there. Because I know personally through my years, just things that not maybe as creepy as this, but certainly from a fidelity standpoint. Yeah, of course. Is not is not something that we'd want in our relationships. I'll just leave it at that. All right, well, let's look at Kansas now. Um, where do they go for their head coaching position? And is that a good enough stepping stone job? We know it's not a premier job, but it's in a good enough conference that it could be a stepping stone to a better job. Well, I think it's a tough job. Not many people have won there. Uh, mm-hmm. Mangino did a pretty good job and was fired because he was rough on the players. Um, Glenn Mason had success there. Uh, and, you know, he he actually at, at one point accepted the Georgia job back in the day and then backed out of it, and Jim Donnan got the job. Um those are really the only two that have had any real success. Uh, it is tough, uh, but you can see it across the state. It's done at Kansas State. You, you can do some things and work the Jayhawk League. I don't think Les was ever a good fit. Forget all this stuff The for a second. Don't mean to forget it. I'm just saying put that aside for a second. Just as a football coach, not very good. Didn't do a very good job. Wasn't going to do a good job at Kansas. Was not doing anything of note there. Um it's a job that you have to kind of – the expectations are low. Mm-hmm. You have to come in. I think you have to work some of the JUCO ranks well where you recruit some of those guys to the Jayhawk League and put them there and bring them. Then you got to really work gradually into developing something that's unique, that you can get more out of less, pardon the pun, and, and, and you know, build with – through the high school ranks where you develop guys. I think you need to bring in transfers. I think you need to be creative. I think you need to have a unique style, maybe of offense that you want to run, be very aggressive there. So I think that type of guy that you may want. Um, in terms of where they go right now, I, look, I think they'll they'll vet a few people and see who might be interested. Maybe a Lance Leopold at Buffalo. Maybe a Jeff Munkin at Army. Um, maybe a Sean Lewis at Kent State or Willie Fritz at Tulane. I don't know. The timing's really bad. I'm not so sure that the best thing for them might not be to take a step back, um, maybe take Joshua um, Ergel or Mike DeBoard, promote them to interim coach, and then kind of really look at it next year. That That's what I would probably do. Um, Mike DeBoard is just relatively new there. So you're making a jump where he's new to the program and now he'd be the head coach. I, I don't know there. I don't know that, you know, Jeff Long, when he was at Arkansas, if you remember when, when Bob Petrino was fired, they brought in John L. Smith as an interim coach. That was a disaster. And mm-hmm. then that was before he went out and hired Brett Bielema from Wisconsin. Is Jeff Long going to be involved in this decision? 
Are you kidding me? How is he still having a job there as athletic director? Yeah. That's a bigger question right now. I wouldn't want Jeff Long making this decision right now. I, I think Kansas needs to look hard at it, maybe take a step back, maybe need maybe take a step back in their athletic director situation. Because look, that's a that's a pretty big NCAA mess over there on the basketball side. And I mean, and yeah. that's a it's a basketball school. And that's a mess. And I know it's COVID year and all that, but that's a that's an NCAA mess over there. So I, I look to answer your question, it's not a good job at all. Can but can you it is a power five job, or let me put you, it's a job in the power five. It's not a power five job, it's a job in the power five. You can it look if you have any level of success, you can do it. I mean, is Iowa State a good job? Hell no. Yeah. But look at look at what Matt's done there. Yeah. So you got to go find your Matt Campbell type guy. And is it a Sean Lewis type of guy? I think you say, you know, we're going to, we're going to hit the reset button. We're going to create an opportunity. We're going to put some money and some resources. You go build it. And here's the one thing we can give you. We'll give you some money and we'll give you more time than most people will. So I think you can do it your own way. That's what you have to sell. And maybe one of those guys are willing to do it now. Maybe they're willing to do it in a year. You got to find your your next Matt Campbell, and so maybe it's a Jason Cando at Toledo or Sean Lewis or um, Lance Leipold. I don't know if, if Lance, you know, wants that or something else. Uh, Willie Fritz, who's got Kansas connections, that done a decent job at Tulane, solid job at Tulane. I think those are the directions that they probably ought to go looking at. I just don't know if the timing is going to be ideal, or and I don't think you want to go ahead and say we got to find a guy now. I think you find the right guy now. If it's not the right guy, I think you need to wait and redo it next year, next cycle. So what are we working on right now at LandryFootball.com with the way that the calendar is setting up here in March? Well, as we've mentioned the past couple of times, and we were out last week um, uh, due, due to me and and, and uh, appreciate everybody's patience with that. Um, so we got all the free agent boards up. We've got all the team-by-team analysis in the NFL of needs, the directions, the free agent uh, approach. And what we're wrapping up today, and we've got all the positions up other than the defensive backs, uh, how players graded in the NFL this year, regardless whether they're free agents or not. So we'll take, like, you know, the defensive backs. Who are the not only who are the graded the best overall safeties and corners, but who are the best cover safeties? Who's the best run defending corners? Who is the best in the slot? So on and so forth. We got all of that for you. Useful information because if guys become free or but guys become traded, you know how they graded this year. So we have all of that with the start of the new league year. We have that done. And then certainly I've been working on the draft nonstop for a long, 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 long time, all years. So we'll be getting to put up the draft boards and scouting reports with that in our notebooks every day. Um, I mean, every day, every day we have some, a lot of stuff in our college notebook and our NFL notebook. Uh, some of the stuff that we talked about today, but a lot more. If you're a college fan, you want to know what happened in recruiting today, we got it for you. I give a recruiting recap every Friday of what happened in recruiting for that week. So like this past week, there were 24 and five-star recruits that committed to a power five teams, got it in there the week before 22. And we got that for you. So if you like football, if you want to get a scouts and a coaching viewpoint of the game of football and information and analysis of this time of year, which is roster analysis, 
uh, evaluating all the moves and what's happening, how teams are progressing on and off the field. That's what we got for you at Landry Football. We've got our scouting season offer. Take advantage of it now. Um, Scott, I'm working on something. Haven't even had a, ch- even had a chance to tell you about it, but we're going to debut it as soon as we get the back office up. So we've got all of that, and it's very, very affordable. But I'm going to be starting a War Room newsletter, mm. which in it's going to be, I would say, a little bit more sensitive information, information that I would not be comfortable putting up on the website because it may be not, not salacious personal stuff like, you know, who other coaches are doing stuff like we caught Les Miles doing it. No, no, no. It's, it's maybe details about something going inside a team's draft room or nuggets that I will only repeat to an exclusive members of the War Room Club. It's going to be more expensive than than the normal stuff, but I think folks are going to really like it. So look look out for that. Got some other special things that we're trying to put together as well uh, for people that maybe have an interest in a career in scouting and uh, maybe opportunities they want to get into broadcasting uh, as well, uh, podcasting, whatever. We'll be debuting that and putting that information up on LandryFootball.com. In fact, they're working on it right now. I don't know how long it'll take them to get done in the back office, but – that's the latest from Landry Football. So if you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com at all levels. So check it out today. It's an absolute must-have. Go to LandryFootball.com. And please stay tuned to the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Football for all our programming offerings. And you can listen to us in podcast format simply by subscribing to the podcast. Just search for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts from or click on the links provided at LandryFootball.com. You can follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball for the latest breaking news and analysis. You can follow me at Scott's on Air, and we will talk to you next week right here inside the football film room. See you later, Chris. Take care, Scott. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.